This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. What's up? Welcome. Yeah. Oh, Ashley, hi. Hello, I couldn't get my mute to come off for a second. Oh, then you have a good excuse. That's good. Well, we got with us Jim Downs, Big Jim. What's up, Jim? What's going on, y'all? Thanks for having me. And his beautiful wife. But she's not on the screen. Yeah, who who just stepped out? (laughs) Oh man, I'm excited to have you here, dude. Been a long time, man. I know it has, and I'm excited for all of us to be together once again. It's always great to get together. My better half, Marisol. Marisol. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, love it. So, if you guys don't know or aren't familiar with uh, Big Jim and Marty, Jim, in what, 2017, he felt called by God to go, uh, he he was moved and, and disturbed by the amount of overdose deaths, if I remember correctly, in the country, and he wanted to, because uh, he found freedom from his addictions, you know, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So then he wanted to go walk across the country, raising addiction and recovery awareness, as well as preaching the gospel <laughs> to anyone who would listen. And he, it was pretty epic, dude. So he did that. And then he, later on, he tried to bike across America. Uh, and, and then he moved to Tennessee and, started rock house ministries and it's been a journey and i'm really stoked because we haven't talked in a long time brother to hear about all you know obviously you can share with the listeners kind of your past history too but uh it's going to be exciting for me in particular to learn about you know what's been happening these last few years for you and mighty out there Um, i'm excited so thanks for being here guys well we appreciate it we're glad to be here we want to Continue sharing the gospel and sharing uh, what God is still doing through us, uh, with us, in us, making a difference. Uh, you know, it's uh, he gets all the glory for I'm seven and a half years clean and sober. And uh, I've got to say, hey, Erica, I've got to say uh, I am um, I feel the best that I've ever felt. I'm. My life is, I'm happy, I'm joyful, I'm excited every day to wake up around 4, 4.30 in the morning, get my day started without a hangover, <laughs> without being up for five, six days. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I got to give this one the props here. You ready? 20 years. Clean wow. Way wow. to go. Oh. Man, that's amazing. Nice. Yeah. You've got a saw beat. Oh yeah. Well, I have a long shot there, lady. Thanks for paving the way. 
<laughs> right? Well, we got uh, there's been just some amazing stuff. Uh, we've got a lot to share. So tell me, you know, take the floor. It's yours, my brother. Oh, uh, wow. All right. Uh, 34 years of active addiction. 34 years. Started at 11 years old. Got clean and sober when I was 45. Um, the only, um, you know, God, he lines everything up specifically for you, for a purpose that you have, including all the junk that we go through in our lives, all the, the past, all the bumps, the bruises, the scars, everything. It's all meant to be able to um, put us through that boot camp so we can be on common ground with those out here who are still fighting in the same hell war that we were in. And, um, you know, I, I, I tried to get into recovery when I found, when I, when I found out that I no longer had any control after 34 years and I finally admitted that I needed some help. I thought it was just going to take a detox, go to detox and I'll be fine. Um, I found out very quickly within a couple of days, uh, that my body was deteriorating. I was going to, um, uh, I wasn't, my body wasn't going to last much longer. Uh, I was already showing signs, um, of, uh, you know, the beginnings of organs just starting to not want to function right. And, um, the doctor in there told me I needed to go into recovery that I wouldn't do it out here on my own. And so I tried to find a recovery program and I found out quickly that if you didn't have at that time $30,000 or you didn't have amazing insurance that you weren't going to get any help. Um, and a friend of mine helped me find a place. Um, the only free recovery program was a faith-based program. And mine, I had absolutely no relationship with God. Mm. Uh, I hated God, had no relationship with him, didn't want him, didn't need him. I was God. And, um, that um the only place that would uh, uh, that i could afford was free and it was a faith-based program at the panama city rescue mission in panama city florida and um i went in with a chip on my shoulder i went in saying i didn't need god and i just needed to learn how to live a clean and sober life and, and they said well you need god to be able to figure that one out and to get that for you and um so, um, through a process that he had me go through, through a uh, refinement, like you're refining gold, uh, you know, I, I started a relationship with him and um, I was saved um, November 29th, 2015, uh, about six weeks after I got clean. And uh, December 14th, I went forward in a wail of tears, uh, baptized, saved, and the process of, the, of growing in a relationship with God started. And mind you, I didn't know nothing. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a pretty bumpy road. Um, a lot of having to learn that I didn't know everything and, and I wasn't in control and, and I had to find out who I was, who, what my identity was. And, um, 
there was a process that happened even with um, that um, showed me what my destiny was. Um, my best friend and my brother and my roommate, the guy that that actually he was my mentor in the program, and he uh, he uh, you know helped lead me to Christ, have a better understanding and of God, and uh, you know he'd been in nine programs uh, prior to, and so, you know, he was a professional wrestler. So he, uh, um, is, you know, he was after years of destroying his body, pain pills was his thing. Um, it was very difficult for him. He was a little person. He was a, a, a midget, a little, a little guy. Um, and, uh, you know, his body, he was wrestling for 16 years. So his body took a beating, but, um, um three, three weeks before he was to graduate he relapsed in the program um they offered him to step back and start over he chose to leave three weeks later he od'd was in the hospital um on the vent for five days they took him off the vent and his mother pulled me into the room and um i prayed over my buddy alex peters as he took his last breath i was praying for him um immediately on his last breath i knew exactly what my call was in life i immediately knew flash done it was handled i knew what it was my job was to go out to work for god and keep as many people save as many people as i could from needless overdose from the wrath of addiction all the hell it causes to keep moms from losing their sons or daughters fiancés and, and husbands and wives from losing each other sisters and brothers from losing sisters and brothers i knew by his last breath what my purpose was in life and that's where the ministry started i had no clue it was starting but I knew I was, that's what I was going to do. And um, it was about uh, nine months later, I graduated my program. Um, and they tried to graduate me at 10 months. I said, no. They tried to graduate me at 12 months. I said, no. They said, <laughs> when do you want to graduate? I said, when I'm ready. And so I graduated. Um, at 14 months and i left at 16. Um, they let me stay behind and prepare for this walk and i knew that i was to go out and do uh to lose everything and to pick up the cross and walk for him now mind you i wasn't carrying a cross in the beginning i was carrying a backpack but God had everything planned out. I thought I had this all once again. Jim, being a, a control freak, uh, was to walk out. Uh, I'm gonna walk, and I've got it all planned out every day. I'm gonna do this many miles and here and there, and I was gonna walk the Appalachian Trail all the way up to Canada. And uh, you know, first couple of months I was walking and doing it and everything, and then 
uh, a bunch of high school students from Ray County, Tennessee, contacted Marisol and said, uh, we, we'd like you to walk across our county with us because we have a lot of our high school friends and uh, are falling to addiction. It's getting bad here. And so Marisol told me that. And I said, well, how do you say no to a bunch of high school kids that want to walk across their county? Amen. I was almost, uh, no, we had just gone into Virginia, hadn't we? Uh, we had come out uh, whatever that place was yeah it's up by the horses by the ponies highlands the yeah, highlands so we were already out of tennessee well we come all the way back down to mm -hmm. walk with them um and on a saturday and so we we did and um uh, we met up with them all and we walked with them 21 miles across ray county and they i my i already had my walking legs i already gone through all the pains they were hurting and they made a cross and they carried it and they carried they wouldn't let me carry it that they they switched off and they everyone carried the cross a mile or two and then they just keep switching it and at the end of it when we got done and they all got around and they prayed and then they handed me the cross mm -hmm. and they and I'll never forget Olivia Harvey she said, now you carry, see, I get emotional every time I say this, handed yeah. um, it to me. And she said, now you carry it the rest of the way. And that's when I knew God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you've been walking out here for your glory. Now I need you on the blacktop walking for me, walking for mine. Amen. And so everything changed. God was in control. And I stayed on the sidewalks and the blacktop from that point forward. And um, we just ha had absolutely no plan. All I knew was, is I'm going north and I'm going to follow something similar as I could <laughs> to go up to Maine. And, uh, you know, all I did was do the walking and talking and trying to reach as many people out there that we could to let them know that there's free resources and we want to help you get into recovery. And we want to just share our testimony and let you know that there's hope that you can recover, that addiction isn't permanent, and you, you can beat this. And how we beat it was through the love, the grace, and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I walked and talked. She did all the hard work. She did all the hard work. She went ahead of me. Uh, she went and she set camp 80 miles ahead and drive me back and forth and go and talk to all the towns that we we're going through and talk to the newspapers. And when we were getting low on money, she'd set up a tent on the side of the road and go buy from a farmer's market, a case or two cases of tomatoes and sell tomatoes on the side of the road and give away free buy and minister and just love and pray for people. And so she did all the hard work and she had to take care of me because at the end of the day, when you're grinding 20 miles every single day um, on asphalt, on concrete, it's, 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 it, it hurts, man. And it's not easy. And um, we did this, God brought us together to be, a couple which 
ended up us getting married and here we are doing God's work together now. And, and we walked, we walked all the way up to Baltimore, Maryland. And then we come across to Winchester, Virginia and went right up the heroin highway, straight up into Niagara Falls. And during this walk, we started getting some notorieties. Uh, the media was following us and, and, and a lot of noise started getting made about this, they called me at the time the Forrest Gump of recovery. I had a big old <laughs> and cowboy hat and all that. And uh, they called, um, and uh, that's when our friend Christopher Falk uh, set everything up for us to go to Minnesota and do a five-day speaking tour there. And that's where we met you, Jason, and and yeah. uh, sober and serious, and Keith Campbell, and and. Uh, uh, so man, Christopher and, you know, it was, it was amazing. And, and, um, you know, got to go to Saturday night live there on the AA meeting the biggest AA meeting I've ever been to in my life still to this yeah. day. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's when she first got on a <laughs> microphone for and never, ever spoke uh, before. Uh, and that was too funny. Um, but, um, and then we got you in at you Serenity know, Village. And then yeah. we got you in at, at the yeah, Grace. Jeff yeah. 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 And then we got you in at Grace Recovery, the, that uh, recovery ministry that I helped start at yeah. uh, Grace Fellowship. You spoke yeah. a, you spoke at a lot right, of places. The that we, Foundation, going to the Steve Rumler Foundation and all kinds yeah. of stuff, man. It was just five days packed full of 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 just sharing and loving and uh i gotta tell you the sober and the sober and serious barbecue was off the chain it was amazing and um you know and then we got back we went right back where we started and we uh we i mean we finished the walk we we walked all the way up to niagara falls so we walked from panama city florida to niagara falls and uh it took eight months and that <laughs> ministry just really took off and we were able to help um that time i think we were able to help it was about 130 120 130 people off the streets and into recovery into free recovery faith-based recovery um it's awesome dude hey hold on though pause 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 because I'm sure the listeners or viewers, I'm so used to saying listeners because I'm used to being on the way out where we don't do video. Uh, Madison, could you briefly like give us a, like a Reader's Digest version maybe of your of your story, like your, your overcomer story with your addictions and stuff? Okay, uh, well, um, my story... Um, well, I'm a survivor of human trafficking of 10 years. Um, God made a way out for me and my kids to come out of it. Um, I was held captive there for, for that amount of time. Um, when uh, he gave me a way out, I was still an addict. I was still, I was homeless. I didn't have nowhere to go. Uh, my family didn't want nothing to do with me because, you know, they seen the way I was when I, God gave me a way out. Like, where you been? Um, I didn't have no help. Um, I'm, I'm one of them people. I'm one of them people that people say it's impossible to just overcome addiction overnight. 
Well, I am that witness and I am that person that can sit here and say it is possible to be delivered overnight because that's what happened to me. I didn't have to go into a recovery program. Um, God delivered me overnight. Uh, the I fell asleep with a crack pipe in my hand, uh, you know, just praying in my, on my knees, just asking God, you know, this is not what I wanted for my life. This is not who who I wanted to be. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know what else I prayed. I just know that when I woke up in the morning, uh, I just didn't have no cravings no more of wanting to go get high. I didn't want to even be around the people that I was hanging out with or anything. So um, that's where my life started. Um, I started living my life clean and sober was from that time. Um, God gave made a way for me and my kids. I got a job, got a place, went to school, got my high school diploma, went to school for nursing, went to school for criminal justice, for paralegal, and started working for Wurtzman's Compass Investigator, started working as a nurse in the hospital. And then, you know, my life has just started getting better. You know, we went from being homeless to having a five-bedroom home out by the water, uh, you know, having a pool, the kids having everything they needed. Um, and then I was, uh, my kid's father is the person that, you know, adopted me at the age of 15. Um, so four of my kids belong to him, uh, found us when, uh, five o'clock in the morning, me and him got into a huge fist fight. I got home and he had some other guys in my house, uh, some other women in my house and my kids were terrified. And uh, when I got there it was on a mother's day. And when I got there, um, you know, I was telling them that they had to leave. I no longer was scared of him. You know, I no longer lived that kind of life. And we got into a fist fight. Uh, my youngest son called 911. Uh, uh, the cops showed up. These people were gone already. But at 5 o'clock in the morning, I knew they were going to come back. And it was like around 5 o'clock in the morning, we packed up, moved up here to Tennessee, uh, up in Dayton Mountain, Tennessee. Left everything behind. I, you know, the house, everything, my job, I called and I told them that I have moved. I no longer can come back to work. I mean, I left absolutely everything. Uh, came here to uh, Tennessee. Um, I had money saved up and I got me a home and I got me a land. And uh, fortunately, I have purchased it from somebody that was pretty much a scammer. Came back, uh, stole my home. When I went to work one day, come home and my home wasn't there. It was gone. It was a trailer and uh, once again my kids and i became homeless again they took the land and everything and i had a suburban at that time and we turned our suburban into our home uh, with me and my five kids and i will take them to work with me and they will sleep in the parking lot while i worked so i worked night shifts um that way they could sleep while i worked um and then i started saving and then god made a way again and i got a home and um you know just started working and then i opened up my own business i'm i'm a farmer's daughter you know i was raising the farm growing fruits and vegetables that's what i that's what my family does and that's what i brought up uh, was brought up doing so to me it's not hard to go and stand on the side of the road with the box of tomatoes trying to sell them um to make some kind of income to pay a light bill or eat or anything like that so um i had to do that you know on the side just to be able to gain more money you know to be able to get out of the mess that we were in being homeless um and i just continued doing it and i picked up mostly all the restaurants around the area and the surrounding counties and everything and i opened up my own business 
I had my own produce market. I mean, I sold from all different kinds of fruits and vegetables to hay. I mean, all sorts of things. And um, and then that's when I met Jim. I was out in the farm and we had went out for, for lunch and I had a sprint. So sprint here in Tennessee up in the mountain does not work at all up in the mountain. You have to be down here in the valley for, for that phone to work. And uh, I was at lunch and I uh, heard a ding on my phone and I went and looked and it was the video about Jim saying that he was going to go and walk across America. And I was like, how even did my phone, how did it even work? Because, you know, it, it phone just did not work up in, in Dayton Mountain, a, a sprint, you know, sprint phone. So um, I started following Jim and um, and everything that he was stalking saying. me. <laughs> 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 I never said anything because I mean I just didn't I didn't think I needed. That's to. all she did. I'd be doing I'd be doing an encouragement video while I'm doing a a walk, a practice walk, or whatever, and doing an encouragement video, and she'd always pop up. She'd always be up on the, you know, hey, there she is, boom, boom, boom. Never say anything. Just stalking me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to say anything. She was creeping. <laughs> she was <great> creeping, bro. <laughs> so, and then uh, Jim re reached out, and me and him started talking, you know. We started uh, texting, and we started doing Bible study, you know, on Messenger, on, you know, on, uh, I didn't have an iPhone, so I can't say, you know, and he was pretty upset because I didn't have an iPhone. I had an Android an iPhone, yeah. because he was in that. He says it's so much easier. But anyways, um, that's how we met. And then when Jim we went on, we pen for a long about time. Six months. Yeah, we we before we even months. talked on the phone, we were just yeah. texting and throwing Bible studies at each other yeah. and just you know really got to know each other. And then I realized all of a sudden, hey, I'm kind of digging this chick. <laughs> You know, and one of the big stumbling blocks, you know what it is, early on recovery, relationship. relationship yeah. And so I was like all of a sudden kind of freaking out. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just do it. So I texted her and I said, hey, can I have your number? Can we talk? Can we actually have a phone conversation? And she said, no. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> no, no. Straight no, man. And then I didn't hear nothing from her. Oh, <laughs> Wow, maybe I don't know. Maybe I was talking to some dude in <laughs> France or something. I don't know. Getting catfished. <laughs> but a couple of days later, she sent me. She sent me her phone number and said, "You can call me." I had to pray on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Lord, is this the dude you want me to talk to? Like, if not, you got to just remove him. Just get him out of here. But, um, but. Uh, so I did, I gave him a number and we started talking and, um, you know, and it just started going from there. I went and I helped them finish um, doing some flooring work that he was doing. Uh, over. Remodeled on an entire house yeah. by myself right before I left. And um, she came and helped me finish it. That's when we first met. She come down yeah. for the new year to bring in uh, 2017 and she got baptized. She wanted to get baptized. Uh, no yeah. one would baptize her up, up, no. up in Dayton Mountain. No one would baptize her. They, it was too cold. They didn't want to get in the water. So she come down, we brought in New Year's together at church yeah. and she got baptized and she helped me finish the flooring and and get ready to go. And, and uh, we've been together ever since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
You guys are an yeah, awesome couple. <laughs> Right on, that's bro. when uh, that's when God said uh, when he took off in his walk, you know, a couple about a week or two afterwards, he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I live here, you know, like this is where I belong. He says, no, you need to get rid of everything, everything, absolutely everything that you have. You got to get rid of it and you got to go and you got to follow this man. You got to follow Jim. You got to go and be his support. You got to go and, and and do this journey with him. And I was like you know how hard it was for me to get where i'm at right now starting all over again and mm -hmm. stuff and he said to me uh you don't need to be worrying about this because you know i will repay it you know i will repay it a hundredfold and tenfold uh, i was like oh lord i always say a hundredfold because that's what i'm i'm walking in expectancy that it's Amen. always a hundredfold i like a hundredfold um but yeah so it was really hard for me i had to get my younger kids and take them with my older kids over to immokalee florida drop them off and i had to leave around 4 30 in the morning from there just so that they won't see me leaving and and you know start crying or you know because it was going to make it worse i got rid of everything i had i let go of my business i gave everything my home uh I gave everything that I had, my cars, I gave everything away. The only thing I kept was the, the Suburban we were using, uh, and that was it. Um, and it, it was pretty hard for me. Yeah. It was pretty hard She's, for me. She fought for her kids the entire yeah. time, and then God all of a sudden tells her, yeah. just go ahead and leave your kids behind, get rid of everything you've yeah. worked hard for, and trust me, and come out here and be with this guy that you really have not spent any personal time with. Yeah. And uh, I mean, she did. And me, me and Jim, we had just, you know, um, met each other face to face. We've been on the phone. We've been texting and everything, you know, and um, we we used to bump heads a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. You know? Remember, control freak, you know, I was a control freak. Yeah. And, and so um, but God, you know, God knew exactly the um, the person I needed in my life. He, he had this all said, I had to have a person that wasn't afraid to, to put, to kick me in my butt and put me in my place, you know, and show me, Hey, you know, I tried to, I actually tried to run her off halfway through the walk. I actually, because, um, I felt that she, I felt I was horrible. I was still not a, I was still working on myself. I was still Mr. Self-absorbed and control freak. And I tried to run her off. And she told me, I ain't going nowhere, buddy. I'm not here for you. I'm here because God told me to be here. So you can do anything that you want, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to help you. <laughs> All right. That's some faith right there. <laughs> When God sends you, when God sends you in a mission, and when He's sending you to do something, you know, it, it, it should matter what the rest of the people will say. It should matter what the rest of the people want. I'm here to to complete something. I was given an assignment by God, and I'm going to finish it, whether you like it or not. You either can deal with it or you don't deal with it. You know, because I'm here to complete complete and fulfill my assignment, and this is my assignment. So, you know, that's why I was, and he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to send me nowhere. And here we are yeah. seven years later. Yeah. And, and wow, all the things God has done through you both. 
it's really amazing. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And I think this is timely too. We were talking about this uh, in in our group text thread and stuff today. That it's you know Easter Sunday this Sunday, and just the timing we thought was really a good time to have a conversation that's a little more God centric to be able to unpack that stuff a little bit, you know, with you guys. And so we can talk about that. That's just some, the beginning, bro. That was just a walk. So what no, I, really I know I'm saying like others, just the fact that it's like Easter coming up. And right. So we'll, we'll be able to talk about, you know, the difference between like religion and faith or, you know, just like all, all these, how, like religious holidays can be hard for some people and and stuff like that. We we were kind of kicking around ideas earlier about things that we could talk about tonight because of that whole aspect of Easter coming up. Come, Come on, right now. Come on, yeah. I want to talk. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Jesus as much as I can. <laughs> Amen. So, so I thought it would be an interesting conversation to have because there's a lot of people that have significant trauma related to religion or to religious practices from when they were younger. Um, what would you tell them is the difference between faith and religion? So religion is man-made. Let me go ahead and just break the egg and let everyone know our opinion and how we address this, this concept as the world looks at a concept of God. Number one, first and foremost, I believe God is a living God. I believe that he had a son. I believe his name was Jesus. I believe he came down here on earth. I believe he lived here for 33 and a half years. I believe he died for the truth. He died for our sins. He beat the grave. He came back, rose again, and 40 days later, he ascended into heaven with the promises with the promise to return for his children i make that perfectly clear i am sold out for jesus now let me address this religion thing religion is man-made relationship is god-made if if i'm out here to truly help someone if i'm out here to help madi if i'm out here to help her okay i cannot do anything besides encourage her love her and show her through the example of my living what um what god tells me is righteous living i can only be the example of what the bible what the word of god says her sins are between her and god not me her and god so when you talk about the difference between religion and and faith let's talk about what it is first religion is a man-made ideological um, um idea of how to worship god with standards a relationship is between you and god now if more people would understand that when you look at church church is a place for you to be filled in an atmosphere with others that encourages and embraces a way of worship, a way of getting closer, growing more, holding each other upright, being accountable with each other. 
no snitches get stitches thing. No, I'm my sister's keeper. I'm my brother's keeper. If I don't want them to fall, I'm going to reach out and grab them and keep them from falling into a snare. And so when you get into an environment that is um, where you can worship together and it's based on relationship rather than you have to have your hair cut a certain way to be able to go to heaven. You cannot have tattoos or you're damned to hell. That's all a straight lie. That is not what the word of God says. The word of God has been so misinterpreted that it completely leaves out the relationship with Jesus. And even right there on the cross next to two thieves, one did not know him. They both did not know him. One said, can you see it in your heart? Can you think of me when you create him? And he said, I'll see you there. He didn't know him. He knew him right there on the cross dying. Mm -hmm. There was a relationship that was made immediately right before Jesus died. He said, I'll, make, I'll see you there. I'll see you in heaven. So it's all about a relationship. That proves to me that a person didn't have to go through uh, tons and tons and tons of stuff and, and theology and this and that. No, you need to have God right here in your heart. You need to have that relationship with God in your heart. And if you do, if, if you look at the Bible, the word of God, and why I'm so attracted to the word of God, the Bible, why I like that so much is there is nothing in there that's, that will direct me to be an unlikable human being. There's nothing in there that puts me down a pathway of, of uh, of of hatred or uh or 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 negativity everything about that word is 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 love love everyone be the hands and feet if they need a place to live give them a roof over their head if they're cold give them your coat if they're hungry feed them it doesn't say if they match your skin color then help them it doesn't say that what it says is love period that's the first thing that attracted me to a relationship with them the second thing is it's really simple jesus which is it isn't just the bible that says that jesus did all this stuff there is so many i think there's 39 36 other historical documents in other books historical documentation that shows that jesus died on the cross he he was crucified and why he was crucified he was crucified because he's out there preaching this message of love which was going against the the pharisees it was going against the the the, the power that was at hand the power was threatened and um he was scourged he was beaten he was whipped with a cat of nine tails with these implements these steel these steel claws at the end of this thing that was meant to stick into flesh and rip rip flesh um and he went through all of this beard being yanked out come on feces piss being thrown on him spit in his face punched beaten thorns rubbed down all that 
There is not one single human being on the face of this earth that has ever lived that would go through that much pain and torment for a lie. The first time you get whipped with that and it goes and flesh gets pulled, you're going to scream, no, I'm not God. No, I'm not God. No, 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 no. I, I was a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. Please stop. Please stop. He didn't do that. You want to know why? Because he died for the truth. That's why. That's what brings me so, that's why I get so pumped up for Jesus is because he is the one that died for the truth. And if he can die for the truth, because I know no man can die for a lie like that being tortured, that's got to mean that what he said was real. And that's my foundation of having a relationship with Jesus is that he died for the truth. And the word of God is truth. And there's nothing wrong with the word of God because it's all love. It's about loving the person sitting next to you. So the difference between religion and faith is relationship. Doesn't matter what church you go to. You shouldn't care about what a, if a pastor says something on a bad day, bad on a, on a day or what. You should be going to church to get closer to God, to worship God, to praise him. God is not here for us. We are here for him. He made us. So uh, that's what I believe. I believe that that it is all about a personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. On on the flip side of that, what would you say to the people that use their religion or their faith as a weapon that push others out of church? Um. Yeah, that means. Um, Go for it. I'm okay. <laughs> I know that you're, um, you're looking at me like. <laughs> you know, that's where people. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't understand addiction. There's a lot of people that um, that here. Here's one of the big things that we found when we moved here. They came to us and asked us, "We we want you to open a church. We want you to pastor a church." And we we're like, "No, we're not. We're not pastors. We don't want to do that. No, we. You don't understand." We need you. And we're like, there's churches everywhere. Why do you need us? And here's the main thing. You ready? We need you to open a church and pastor a church because all the churches know us and they know our past and they hold us. They won't let us go from our past mistakes. They, 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 that's, they think that's who we still are. Um, a person needs to look at the church church that they're going to and they need to they need to decide for themselves there are so many people that get church hurt and to be honest religion pushes pushes more people away from a relationship with god than what uh than than what churches do to draw them in with the love the grace and the mercy like jesus like jesus had for all of us so to those out there that are struggling with trying to uh, or that have been hurt by the church. Slow everything down. Get that relationship with God. Make that the foundation, your relationship. And then he will direct you. He will lead you to the church that is that is his church, full of love, full of, of, of mercy, full of not, not 
point pointing fingers like this, but rather, mm -hmm. hey, come on in there. Let, 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 let you're part of the family. You're a brother and sister in Christ. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny because you were talking a little bit ago, Jim, about how when you like first met Matty and you were you were still struggling with your shame. You were still finding yourself and working on you. Uh, so like when I was in that place early on uh, in my first few years of recovery and then I came to a relationship with Christ, I was still like, man, you know, when does the self-love piece come in? I don't, uh, you know, I'm not there. And my sponsor, he had asked me a question. He said, Hey, so if you, he's like, so you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and all your, you know, wrongdoings and that you are forgiven that the slate's been wiped clean. And I, and I said, yeah, I firmly do believe that. Like I literally physically felt the weight lift off of my shoulders, you know, when, when that, uh, when I found him and invited him in and I got baptized and all that. And he's like, okay, well then if you're going to, if he's already forgiven you and it's slates wiped clean, he's like, and then you can't forgive yourself. He's like, well, you're just pushing him right out of the throne and you're sitting down and you're playing God, you know? And I, I felt offended <laughs> at first. And then, you know, I couldn't get it out of my head. And after I finally was able to, you know, swallow that unpalatable truth and accept it, I, I think that did me so much good, man, and really helped me to let go of those things. And then you think about that, you know, what you're talking about, these super duper saints, you know, people that think that they're so righteous that they're, you know, <laughs> like we're saved by grace and grace is uh, unmerited favor. It's not anything that we did or could ever do because in, in God's sight, it's uh, all our works are nothing but filthy rags. Right. So I love that, you know, whole concept that, it's just a free gift. It's a, it's a gift, man, you know, and like take that and let it lighten your load and yeah, just move forward. And it's the truth will set you free. Right. So like people that are living like they're perfect and righteous, they're not living in truth. So like, I have shame over your mistakes when at least you're being honest with them. Right. you know, and, and addressing them. So I think that's a huge thing. And I, I didn't bring it up to, you know, to try to debate or, you know, cause problems. It's because I know that there's so much trauma related and there's certain recovery pathways. I'm so agreeing with you. There is a tremendous amount of trauma that churches, congregations, let me, let me, congregations that are not informed and don't understand um, that don't understand what it's like to be underwater and not be able to breathe. They don't know what it's like. You see, there's a whole generational change right now. Let's face it. You're ready. Churches are dying. Okay. And now there's new types of churches that are coming in that um, are drawing um, that are drawing a crowd, that are making some noise. But a person, no matter what, no matter what, if there was any encouragement that I could ever give anyone, it's this right here. You have to believe 
what you find. I, I, I'm going to say this right. Your relationship is between you and God, and you're going to be held accountable by God for that relationship. So all we can do is try to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. I'm by no means perfect. Just think about this. Jason, just four years ago, five years ago, five, six years ago, five, six years ago, when I was in Minnesota and I met you, yeah, I was big Jim. Yeah. I was still stuck on me, bro. Yeah. Big Jim <laughs> walk across America. Big, big dog. <laughs> I was still stuck on me, man. I, Dude, do you I, know that, that what you remember? I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, it's not, at one point during that, you were talking to that girl, Cassie, and she was really struggling. And you got you guys had her on a, a, one of them walking paths off uh, from the gazebo a little bit. And Jim, you came and turned to me as I was walking by and you grabbed my arm and you said, brother, come here. Let's pray for this girl. And I and you put you guys circled up with me around her and like we laid hands on her. You, I don't know if you realize this, but that was my first time ever praying for somebody like that ever <laughs> in my life. And I was the most uncomfortable feeling at first. But as we continued on and you two started first and then like nudged me and I just went and it was really powerful experience for me, man. And something I needed to do, you know, I was in the process of getting grace recovery, you know, we just started that. And so I was very much into it, but I didn't feel qualified to do that. And like doing that with you guys, I felt that energy and that, you know, that just to open my heart and spoke from it. It was, it was really cool, man. So thank you guys for the push another, that I needed. Another perfect example of God, not calling the qualified, but qualifying the call. Amen. Look what you've done ever since. Right. You've even it's been true. baptismal. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, you know, a lot of great examples of, that type of thing. I mean, recovery churches are popping up and they're pretty amazing. I don't know if, you know, yes. there's recovery cafes that are in a lot of churches and stuff. So there's programs that are funded and served by churches that are amazing. So there's both sides to that coin. I, I want to make sure I'm, you know, saying that, that there's just as there's much. There's the life recovery Bible that I absolutely love. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Life Recovery Bible. I, I love seeing um, churches get behind recovery. I love seeing the, the there's there was a, um, a a wave of hope that through in recovery that just went through social media huge, and then it's kind of it's kind of dwindled off. But guess what's coming back now? There is a spiritual revolution that's going on where people are understanding that it's not a doorknob that's going to give someone hope. It's, it's actual, a spiritual 
revolution that's going on in a person's heart where they're hungering. They're hungry for answers for themselves. That's why it's so important to understand when you're in recovery, recovery is personal, but the outcome at the end of it is you're going to be dragging other people out of it. It might be a personal thing, but guess what? You're going to be the life preserver for someone else. Hmm. And, and, and recovery is, is so amazing when you dive into it, just dive and give yourself into the water, just, just float and just let recovery, the journey build you and make you who you are because every person out there has got a calling in their life to help everybody person out there has got a calling to share the evidence of how they got out of the pit of hell that they were in. I was tired of living in the gutters. I was tired of it. I thought I had to have it, but I found out real quick that I had to have something much more powerful than me to be able to pull me out of that pit. And it was God that did it for me amen man so i know we paused because we wanted to give the viewers a chance to get to know metasol and thank you for sharing because that that's a whole nother ball of wax wow what you went through but now you guys can go back to you know towards the tail tail end of the walk uh you know and continue from there we still want to hear about what's new what's the big news we still want to hear all yeah. about the ministry and how it took off. Go ahead and talk to them. I don't want to talk the whole time. You talk. <laughs> um, well, the uh, our ministry has just been growing so much. It has been just blooming. You know, it's just uh, every day we wake up, there's something new. There's something different. There's something we're we have an amazing problem right now and that's that we are looking for more facilities we need more facilities we need we have all our beds are full and uh we have 32 beds we have 30 bed 30, uh, 30 bed. bed men's program that's at maximum capacity yes. and we have a 12 bed women's program that's almost uh, it's full probably at the end of the week um we're trying to double that size this year we're going to yes. try to add on to it and make it twice as big um, we moved here in Spring City in 2019 and started this and we moved here with $139 and within four months we paid cash for the first property. Um, God has been behind this and blessed this tremendously. We did the walk in 2017, did the ride in 2019 and then after the ride, that's the property right there. There it is. Uh, that was the church that we bought. It was a dilapidating church. Um, and we just got in there. That's when we started just gutting it, just started tearing out walls and and tearing out the stage and and didn't have an idea of what we were going to do, how we were going to design it. But we were just tearing it out. Those are, we, we were led to open a church and we did. And we opened up, I guess you would say something like a recovery church, because, you know, most of the people that came to us, we had 50, 60, 70 congregants and they were all. You know, recovery. and recovery pretty or, much. Or needed or recovery. Life recovery, yeah. not just drugs and alcohol, but life recovery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is but a symptom, my friend. Yeah. And and uh, 2019, we come up here, bought that property, and we've been building ever since. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had some things going on in, in the, at the same time we were building, at the same time we were, uh, you know, building the ministry. 
Um, we had, you know, our son in 2019, our son Isaac, um, he was out and doing math as well and um, opioids and stuff. And uh, the drugs, a drug addiction had got a hold of his mind of, you know, he had lost all his hope and everything. Uh, he left from Tennessee on Thanksgiving night on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving day. day. Uh, well, yeah, Thanksgiving day mm -hmm. and uh, went to Fort Myers, Florida at eight o'clock at night, Thanksgiving night, we got a call saying that he has shot himself. So at the mm -hmm. same time that we've been doing all this, you know, we've been having to go through, you know, we've had our tribulations and our trials and, and all that. So uh, we had to go to Fort Myers and we were over there about a month or more than a month. More than a month. And, uh, um, you know, because uh, he was in the hospital. Shot himself and let's just, I'm not being graphic, but he shot himself in the head. Yes. They said he had no chance of surviving. I mean, we drove 14 hours, and when we ran into the hospital, into um, to the SICU, and and he's on a ventilator. He's got every tube in him and everything. A doctor meets her right there and says, "Your son has a tremendous uh, traumatic brain injury. He's not going to survive. He's not going to make it. You need to make preparations. And and if he does make it, he'll never walk. He'll never talk. He'll never he'll he'll never have a normal life." And that's when I saw the the power of faith in action with my wife, because while this guy, this doctor was telling her all that, she's smiling at him with tears running down her face with a big smile on his face, on her face. And when he said, do you understand what I'm saying? Your son's not going to make it. She looked at him and said, no, I, I don't receive that. I don't believe that you don't know my son and you don't know my God and turned her around and started praising God and walked into the room. And um, 30 days later, our son walked on his own power out of that hospital. So we were, you know, so we we, we went through some stuff and then uh, still building in 20, uh, 2020, was it um, you, uh, Jim, uh, they diagnosed him with cancer. They said he had cancer. So we he had to go through all that, through surgery and, you know, all that stuff as well, radiation. through radiation treatments and stuff like that. So we we had our our moments, our, our tribulations and our trials. But the Bible also says that for us not to, you know, not to be expecting that everything's going to be smooth. We are going to have them trials and them tribulations that we need to go through, you know, and this is like things that we need to go through to get to the next level. And Where's your faith at? Yeah. Do you believe? So we just kept on believing, kept on trusting, uh, kept on trusting God for everything. And as we were doing <clears> that, <throat> he just kept on bringing more people in to, to help us, kept on filling up the beds, kept on we opened up a woman's center, you know. We didn't even have bathrooms in, didn't no. have showers in, didn't have drywall up. No. And people were, women were coming to us off the street saying, will you please help us? We heard that you could, you could help us. Yeah. That's how it started. And, and then they would come and they were helping. All of a sudden, they're helping us paint. They're helping us clean. They're helping yeah. hang drywall. Helping do and It was just miraculous. And, and that's the center now where the men's program is. And there's 30 beds there. And we have three staff members that live on site and 30, and 30 students there. And then we have a whole other facility that's really, really nice for the women. Yeah. And, um, and, and, now we're, you know, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization. 
We're accredited by the Tennessee Department of Corrections now. There it is right there. That's yes. when we got accredited. We were given our certificate and um, we're also uh, accredited by the Tennessee Department of Behavioral Health. And um, we're active within our community. We're, we're, we're the only resource like what we have in a 50 mile radius. We're right between Chattanooga and Knoxville. There's no resources here. There's nothing. They got, they got churches that have celebrate recoveries and mm -hmm. they got a couple of AA meetings and stuff that go on, but there's no residential treatment at no. all. None. There's no detoxes around here, guys. None. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So they are as amazing as this. I love where we live. I love our town. I love Ray County. I love Spring City. I love it. The people here are amazing. But the funding here is non-existent. We don't get grants. We don't get a lot of community help. Every bit of this is done by the people who come into recovery. And that's going to put me down a pathway here. And you got to let me speak for, for, for just a second on this. Now, right now, see, she's already going, babe, careful. Listen, there are many, many programs. I, I got to say it like this. Recovery has become a multi-million dollar industry. And it's just sickening that... Um, programs the average payment that uh, for a 28-day program right now in america is forty-two thousand five hundred dollars forty-two thousand five hundred for an average 28-day program is what insurances are paying out we don't agree with that um we only charge eight hundred dollars a month eight hundred dollars a month that's it and guess what? When we first started this, we made everything free. Everything was free. We took care of everything. We paid for it ourselves. We, we struggled to keep the lights on to do this. And we started falling into a trap like all the other faith-based programs where it's make t-shirts, make crafts, go out and hustle them at 7-Eleven or in front of the gas stations or Walmart and all that. That is just all you're doing all they're doing is king on the hustle that's built in from doing all from selling all the drugs and living in the drug life the concentration isn't on recovery it's now you're creating livestock for a person for a, a the only way a program is going to stay alive is if they go out and sell t-shirts or have thrift stores and all that and we fell into that and then we realized that that isn't doing anyone any good we closed our thrift stores. We stopped doing crafts, stopped doing them. We started concentrating on God and recovery. And what happened was amazing. Come up with a whole new way of looking at things about recovery, addiction recovery, about work program, about transitional program, about all of that. 800 a month from the individual rocket queen. $800 from the individual because we found instead of pulling people through recovery, that if they invested in themselves, that they took it and learned it and did it even more. They absorbed it even more. They're investing in themselves. So it meant more to them. So what we do is we get them, we get them out of jail. We get them off the streets. We get them. They come to us. We help them get their IDs or social security cards, birth certificates. We do all that. We invest in them. 
And then when they're clean and they got the fog out, normally it's a 14 to 30 day process. We've partnered with many corporations around here and we provide transportation and we get them full-time good paying jobs. We have some people that are making up to $25 an hour in a factory. And we provide the transportation back and forth to work. And all they got to do is learn a work ethic, be able to go back and forth to work. And we don't handle their money. They learn to handle their own money. They learn about financial management. They get a, they get a banking account. They've got to learn how to be able to balance their budget, do their thing. You see, it's really easy to get someone clean and sober in four walls. The problem is, is get, getting them to stay clean and sober when they're out here in the world. That's the problem. And that is a big gap in recovery. They don't deal with that. But the way we address it is we deal with everything at one time. The heart issue, the, 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 the life issue, the heart issue, the social issues, every kind of issue that you think of. We deal with all of that at one time. And we expect people to make mistakes and fall down. When you learn how to ride a bike, did you just get up on a bike and pedal away and learn and instantly know how to balance? No, we mm. fell down a couple of times, but we learned through our mistakes how to balance and how to ride a bike. And it's the same way with life. Addiction doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And so becoming clean and sober and learning new behaviors and new ways of thinking and troubleshooting and, and problem solving and dealing with all this, it takes time. It doesn't just instantly you get all this correct. Jason, that's why you were struggling with the shame and the guilt. You had to learn how to process that guilt and that shame and where it needed to go and how to deal with all that. So right. we come up with this whole idea that four walls is only meant to live in and, be, and learn the tools that we need to live out there in the real world. And so um, they pay their way and they're more than happy to. We invest normally, we invest the first two grand in them while they get ready to go to work, while they get ready and are, are pumped up and they see everyone else going to work. They want to go to work. They want to make that. They want to make that chunk of change. They want to live right. And, and you're right, Gina, accountability. Not one person goes to work by themselves. We have three, four people all go to work together and they hold each other in a brotherhood and in a sisterhood and they work together. And um, so you guys, we, we need to address the way recovery is being done on a community level where if we see programs out there, halfway houses and all that, that are claiming that they're faith-based or claiming that they do this and do that, we need to hold them to that standard. Mm. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't agree with this $40,000. If I made $40,000 on every person that come through there, uh, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't know what to do with that kind of money, $40,000 a month. Well, That's let's, ridiculous. let's change our, our wording on this recovery you said has become big business, big money, but treatment has been become big money. And there's a difference between treatment and recovery. That's and very people true. that make money off of treatment tend to have an open door policy because return customers and repeat visitors are. Yeah, I, to I, make I, money. I totally agree with yeah. you on that. You change yeah. the verbiage a little bit, however you want. Apples, oranges, whatever. I've saved recovery all the time because it's recovery programs. 
Um, I mean, and so that's just the language that I'm used to, but I can totally agree with you. Treatment, um, it has become a multi-million dollar industry and it's absolutely ridiculous. Right. But man, it sounds like uh, things are going swimmingly with your new business model and and it's growing. It's growing, man. So that's always we need facilities. We're willing to go wherever we need to go to be able to help anyone that we can help. We've got, uh, you know, just last year we had one employee. This year we have seven. Um, nice. We're growing tremendously and it's all peer driven. There's not one person in our program except what well, there is. There's one person, there is Miss Liz, who is our financial administrator, retired bookkeeper extraordinaire. Um, and everyone else that is in here uh, from program manager, director of operations, director of intakes, all that, they, are, they have all gone through the program themselves. Um, and they have a personal understanding of the of uh, of addiction, of substance use disorder, of addiction, and everything that comes with it. So uh, they're led by those who don't have a college education, but have a street education from it. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a very uh, much a family atmosphere. You're you're creating your own family, and and other people are just joining in on the same mission, man. Uh, was there anything else that you want to share with us? Because we're really running short on time right now. But dude, like anything else you wanted to highlight? Well, you know uh, that we can. <laughs> um, I I ask everyone if you want to be a part and see something a total different way. We're not we're not trend followers. We're trendsetters. If it, if it all worked exactly the way it needed to work then there would be one model and everything would be hunky-dory. Um, it's not Rock House Saves Lives anymore. It is rockhouserecovery.com. Rockhouserecovery.com. There you go. Go there, you guys. Check out the what we have going on here. God's doing a mighty, mighty thing. Um, and um, we're seeing, uh, we're hearing and seeing a tremendous amount of success where people are up on their feet. Mothers are getting, we help people get their kids back. We stand right beside them in courts. We help fathers be fathers, mothers be mothers. Um, and and that's that's what it's all about is you said it, family and creating those friendships and then family in recovery that's always gonna hold you up. There is one more little, little nugget I wanna share with everyone. Um, be on the lookout, y'all follow us rockhouserecovery.com go on facebook look us up uh rockhouse ministries and programs uh but uh in august around august september somewhere around there uh y'all be looking we're going to be uh we're being followed and and filmed right now uh and uh, there's going to be a documentary out there about how how we do things a, a docu-series and uh so y'all we we can't really talk a lot about it right now we're yeah. We're under contract because it's not out yet. So, uh, <laughs> but there is a lot of amazing, amazing stuff you guys will be able to see. And this is no small bananas. This is a major, major network uh, that is doing this. And we're blessed to be a part of this and show that Jesus is still in control. And and, um, and he is the one that is, uh, that is absolutely saving lives, saving souls, making a difference in, in people's lives. Change can happen with Jesus. Amen, brother. Hey, 
I I just want you to know, you guys, that I will be lifting you in my prayers, your ministry, and and just that this this exposure would bring the funding to help you grow your organization and help more people, man. Uh, you know, open a detox, you know, all that kind of stuff. Get get those resources. You know, it's our if we see a need, it's our responsibility to get out there and try to fill that need, right? Uh, because nobody else might do it. And so it's up to us and you guys are doing it and God has made a way. And, you know, like we were talking about, you guys were homeless selling tomatoes to get your next meal. And now look at what you've done or God, look at what God's done. So that being said, I love you guys. And thanks for joining us. Thank you guys. We love you all. God bless you all. Uh, looks like Rocket Queen wants to know if you guys have a Twitter account for the. Uh, no, I don't have a Twitter. I never understood Twitter, but we will have a Twitter because I actually got somebody that understands it now. So hang in there. We'll have one soon. I don't Dude, know. I wonder if her name is based off of that Guns N' Roses song. I love that song. That's a good one. <laughs> and, hey, we're speaking. We're we're wanting to speak. So if anybody wants us to speak anywhere, they want to talk to us, we'd be. We'd love to be able to uh, to to come and share our experiences as well. So, reach out to us. Cool. Yes. Y'all hang on for a minute after we do this little closing bit. We usually chat for a few, so y'all hang on. Cool. We're gonna gonna roll into the closing credits. Take Thanks us out, having us. Yeah. Take us All out. Right. Thank you guys again for coming on tonight, sharing with us. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. Turn on your notifications so you know when we go live, which is every Thursday night. Also, come back. If you guys enjoyed tonight's episode, be sure to come back next Thursday night because we're going to have another guest. His name is Josh Lawson, and he is releasing a book here in a couple days, uh, and it is entitled Drugs and Jesus, and he describes it as a book that helps bridge the gap between faith and harm reduction and provides a theological framework for christians who want to help serve the vulnerable community so be sure to check that out next thursday night and the book's coming out on the 11th i don't know off the top of my head what day that is i think that's tuesday monday tuesday that's coming up this this upcoming week so he's going to be on the show next week live to discuss that so that's going to be really cool um jason would you like to tell us about your podcast sir well, why not? I am the co-host of the Way Out podcast, and it is a space where we share personal, powerful recovery stories, and we unpack recovery power topics to help you find or jumpstart your recovery. And then check us out on Spotify. It's exclusively on Spotify. Sorry if you use another uh, streaming service, but it, there's the Way Out playlist same logo you'll see that same logo on there and it's a curated list of songs that symbolize recovery to all our amazing guests on the show check it out very nice very nice um i also do my own solo podcast it's been coined morsels of recovery i usually stay in about the 30 minute range i release episodes every wednesday so check that out as well LC, who could not be with us tonight, also does a podcast, Recovery Soul Food. Check that out. And we release this live stream in podcast form a couple hours after we get off the air. 
So if you can't watch the whole thing and you want to be able to throw in your earbuds or listen while you're driving, find us on your favorite podcast player. Also, the new uh, the new thing that we've been working on, the Recovery Revolution Podcast Network. Uh, check that out at recovery-revolution.org. We've got a whole bunch of different recovery podcasts that are working together to promote the message of recovery and support each other's shows and all kinds of cool stuff. I think we're up to 26 shows at the moment, so yeah. check that out. It's awesome, and we are so grateful that you guys tuned in tonight. We will see you guys next week. Remember, progress, not, not perfection. perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs>